Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You're going to hear me talk a lot about heaven. Well, none of us have ever seen heaven. But it's a promise, and we believe it. So it's not very different for them or us, as you think about that. Now, what was this that caused them to do it? It's faith. Remember the definition we gave you for faith? It's very simple. Faith is simply this. The complete confidence, no doubts, that whatever God has promised, and of course, that's His Word. Anything God speaks to us must be balanced from His Word, proven from His Word. And the complete confidence that God will do what He said. From the atheist to the most devout Christian, everyone exercises faith every day. When you sit on a chair, when you drive forward, when the light changes to green, when you get on an airplane, the usage of faith is dependent on how much you trust the reliability of the object of your faith. Pastor Mark will be teaching today why you can trust God and put your faith in Him. You'll hear what the Bible has to say about what faith is, And you'll learn some of the history of those who've lived before you. You'll find out about their struggles and hanging on to God and believing that living for Him was worth their struggle. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 11 as he begins his message, Pilgrims Looking for a Better Place. I saw this, maybe some of you saw it, this headline, and since we're in the space kind of area, there's a daring plan to send a husband and wife team to Mars, and they're already in that planning stage. The couple are going to live in this super tight quarters for 501 days. Now, Let me give you a little more information. The Inspirational Mars Foundation plans to send the husband and wife team to Mars. They will travel in a tiny two-room capsule, 600 cubic feet, about half the size of a single-decker bus, and they will be in that little capsule for 501 days. Now, I begin thinking of verses the minute I begin looking at that with your marriage. Can two walk together unless they agree? They ain't going to be walking at all. They can't even move. Don't let your left hand know what the right is doing. Ha! Are you kidding me? Everything, 501 days. Now, if they don't survive and have trouble, Pastor Dave, his volunteer, he's already written in, he will counsel them after their, and actually during their, well, not really, How would you like to be the couple? Anybody that much in love? Probably somebody here that's in the premarital, but that'll go out the window very soon, right? 501 days and a little capsule together. Well, 
They're going to be pilgrims to the earth. They're going to be a foreigner, a nomad, definitely aliens. And, well, they're going to be strangers to our earth. For 501 days, they're leaving. I know many of you travel. All of us travel today. That's kind of the way our life is. Have you ever gone to a very different country, and as you're traveling, you feel like a big-time stranger? Like it's like, what is this? I feel really strange here. But one of the good things that happens with all of that, when we come home after being away, we always say this, don't we? It's good to be home. And what's the one thing you look forward to when you come home? Come on. That bed that you have. Amen? So, for sure, this future husband, after 501 days, uh, they're going to be glad to be home. Well, in Hebrews chapter 11, we talked about a journey that you and I have that, well, to be honest, is way more than 501 days. But watch what we read, verse 13. Now, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers. Now notice, not in Israel, not in Egypt, aliens and strangers on the earth. Every person, first thing you want to write tonight, is a pilgrim in transit on our way to our final destination. Every single person on this planet, a little more than seven, I think 7.2 billion people now, everyone. And as a church, as pastors, our role is to take you and move you from here to there, while you're here. But the ultimate place we're trying to move you is obviously heaven. Now, look at that verse when it says all these people. Who is the writer talking about? Well, he's talking about Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Jacob. The promises began with Abraham and Sarah, and then were passed on to Isaac and then to Jacob. But they never got to see, really, all the things that God had promised. They got to see a few, but many they never even, in their wildest imagination, ever got to even imagine what that would look like because they didn't receive those things. Now, they believed that the Messiah was coming. That's why they're in heaven today. But they never personally got to see it. They never really possessed all the land of Israel And by the way, that will happen, not with the latest little peace thing that's over there in Israel now, but that will only happen when, well, in the future, when Jesus Christ comes back to set up his new kingdom in the city of Jerusalem. So none of the patriarchs saw the complete fulfillment of God's promises to them, but by faith, they saw them fulfilled in the future. Now, You might think that's a little strange, but it really isn't. Many of the things that we believe, we have never seen. But we believe that we will see them. You're going to hear me talk a lot about heaven. Well, none of us have ever seen heaven. 
but it's a promise and we believe it. So it's not very different for them or us as you think about that. Now, what was this that caused them to do it? It's faith. Remember the definition we gave you for faith? It's very simple. Faith is simply this, the complete confidence, no doubts, That whatever God has promised, and of course that's his word, anything God speaks to us must be balanced from his word, proven from his word, and the complete confidence that God will do what he said. When God says something, that's a promise. That's simply the way it is. Now, notice in that verse, how were they living when they died? This is the thing that's a key for you and I. They were still living by faith. Now, Every one of us in this room starts by faith when we become a Christian. That's the only way we can go. We believe. That's how we have no proof, but we believe. But it's a huge difference in the NIV. For in the gospel, a righteousness of God is revealed, and a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous, you and me, will live by faith. So you see, we'll live by faith. It is not an event. It's not faith that I I grab once in a while when I need a miracle or a healing or a job. It is a lifestyle. And I like the New Living Translation because it says it in a neat, unique way. The good news tells us how God made us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish. I like that. From start to finish. From the beginning to the end. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So what I want you to write and remind yourself is faith is a lifestyle. Ever increasing faith. As we live, the faith that we have in God should be getting stronger and stronger. Why? Because we have history. When you hear what I share this week with you, your faith in God will definitely increase. That's why I don't want you to miss it. Your faith will definitely increase. And so it is from start to finish. That's what the writer is commending these people for. Now, we know that we're to be growing in all kinds of areas of our life. We know that we're not sinless, but by faith we're sinning less, and we're to be growing in our faith. Now, as we think about that, look back in this verse again, and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on the earth. They admitted it. What does it mean to admit you're a pilgrim or a stranger on earth? You could write it this way. People of faith, which is you and me, and them, have a pilgrim mentality. We're just passing through. Look at verse 14. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. So they're passing through. doesn't matter where they're at. They're looking to the future. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. So what is the writer addressing there? Well, it's this comment. Next thing you want to write. People of faith... No, life is not about stuff, but God and people. Now, when you think about that, where did Abram come from? He came from the land of Ur. 
We know that when God called him to pick up and leave, Abram was very wealthy. He was probably set for life. 401k, stock options, great tent, beautiful wife. What else do you need? He was set. But as God called him, he left it all. I guarantee you, during times, as he was in Egypt, running where he shouldn't have been, as he was running after Lot, trying to save him, as he was living in that difficult land, waiting all those years for the promise of God for his son, I'm sure he would have, in his mind, been tempted by Satan to do what? Go back to Ur. Go back to the place. Maybe not even Ur, but maybe Haran, where he stayed for a long time, where his father died. But Abraham learned that as he followed God and grew in his faith, he discovered that life was simply not about the stuff, not even about where he was, not about the conditions. He had learned, like Paul, to be content in whatever he had, wherever he was. And it wasn't about all of those things, even though we know that he became a very wealthy man even as he followed God. So where is that mentality that life is a pilgrim thing, that we always remember that, well, we're at 100 years to your life, where will you be? There won't be anybody in this room. We're all gone. I use that illustration a lot when I do a funeral. I just did a funeral for an 18-year-old. A couple of weeks ago, the wonderful young lady that was killed by a drunk driver who had just gotten her invitation to the World Cup soccer as a junior. A Christian came to this church. Father and mother have come here. Grandparents still come here. 18 years old. She's in heaven today. Moments before, she would have never thought she'd be gone. But see, that mentality, all the stuff that she had, the amazing person she was, there was a thousand people at the funeral. Kids, high school kids, college kids, like crazy. So I just mentioned to him, add a hundred years to where you are. And you know, when you begin to think about that, all the stuff that we get anxious over, it really means nothing. Because we're all going to die. And so that doesn't give us a morbid kind of mentality. But it does bring us a balance. And that comes from a pilgrim mentality that this is not our home. We love it here. Remember, Paul talked about that. We'll see that in a moment. But as you think about that, the battle is always in the mind. Turn with me, and we'll be back there in a moment. So put your finger right there. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Scoot on down to verse 19. You know this well. But I think it's good for us to remind ourselves Jesus speaking of this. And of course, if anyone, <laughs> anyone uh, would like to go back, I mean, Jesus probably was tempted in his mind to go back. I mean, look what he left. Paradise. To come to this place. Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. What is a treasure in heaven? It's something that outlasts earth. Well, the really only thing we can think about is our witness and people. That's pretty much it. Good works, those kind of things, head up to heaven. 
Where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break up and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus poses a huge question for all of us. Where is our heart? Is it tied to this earth? We love being here. It's not really a scripture, but it's a principle that goes with the scripture. He's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. Well, no, we don't want to be like that. We're here. We're supposed to occupy. We're supposed to do things with excellence. But there's a balance to this. See, Jesus always spoke about our future in heaven. Jesus spoke about this ongoing commitment that when we head off and follow him, a disciple, a follower under discipline, when we do that, we don't have time to look back. I want you to see this scripture. Jesus wrote it, and then I want you to write this. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back, is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I wrote it like this. Just leave the past in the past. Now, a few of you might be here, and you're new to Christianity, and you're having a tough time. And you're thinking, well, it really wasn't even this difficult when I wasn't a Christian. Although I have my sins forgiven, it seemed to be a little easier. Well, that's because you were on the other team. And Satan hates it. So in many ways, that verse, that passage, leave the past in the passage for you. Don't you dare turn around and go back. You just stay going forward. All of us run through all kinds of rough things in life. And sometimes we're going to just want to throw in the towel. Don't throw in the towel. Don't look back. You just keep going forward. No matter what happens in your life, you just keep going forward. You're not fit for the kingdom looking back. We're only in this kingdom to look forward. Our worst day here is today. Tomorrow's going to be better. And a few days from now, a thousand years is like a day. It's going to be the best you've ever seen. We're going to see it as we go through. Now look at Colossians. Colossians 3.1, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So while we're here, we want to be all here. But in our quiet time, in our mentality, this is not our home. We're headed out. So we always have to balance that with all the other things that are happening. Of course, the battle is in the mind. Now, back to Hebrews 11.16. Instead, they admitted they were pilgrims. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. I wrote it like this. People of faith live life with hope for the future. That is by far one of the most important principles for a Christian. The world does not have hope. We have guaranteed hope. You'll see that. These people, even in those days, they were looking for a longing for a better country. They believed by faith that something better was ahead. Their faith was patient. We'll see as we head toward the end of chapter 11, they endured amazing hardships because they believed God had something better. You see, people of faith know that heaven is where we belong. Heaven in the Bible is described as a city. It's described as a country. But what I like about is heaven is a real place. It's the dwelling place of God. God 
often opens different doors, strange ways for us. A few months ago, an individual in our neighborhood, I didn't know the young man, knocked on my door. And he says, I have a friend in one of the charter schools, and she's doing a video, and she's going to need a pastor to interview a little bit. And I said, well, what's the interview about? And he said, well, heaven. I said, that's fine. And I I pretty much had forgotten about it. Well, they called a few weeks ago. And so he came in. It's just another neighbor girl. I didn't know them, of course. And we sat down. And I said, why are you doing this? Why did you pick this? She said, well, I'm going to all kinds of religions and all kinds of different people and trying to see what they think heaven's all about. And I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm praying underneath. Okay, God, I don't know what she's going to ask me. I need your help because I'm going to put as much scripture in there as I can. Because anything I say ain't going to stick with her, but scripture she won't get away with. Of course, I'm not telling her that. I'm just praying. And I said to her, well, what have you discovered so far? And she says, well, I'm Jewish. Click. And... She said, I've heard from this person and that person and that person what they think. And I heard a pastor not long ago when he was asked a very difficult question on national media, and I picked up on it. It was a wise answer. I loved it. And she says, well, what do you think heaven's like? And I said, well, to be very honest with you, it doesn't matter what I think. The only thing that matters is what God tells me. And he does give me some, but he doesn't give me a lot of information. And I said, people now write books this thick. Paul, when he went to heaven, and I talked to her that he went to heaven, he got back and he said, the most prolific writer in the New Testament couldn't write a book. If he couldn't write a book, who am I to begin trying to write a book? And so she said, well, then why do people want to go to heaven? What's one of the greatest things? And I said, well, it's a place where I have peace with God and forgiveness of sins. And I'm there because somebody changed my life on earth. I have hope today. That's where I'm going. And she said, well, why would you want to go there? I said, well, there's no sickness. There's no pain. There's no trouble. You know, all the things that we talk about. And I said, you won't find that in this world. This world is not run by God. It's run by Satan. And I said, there's a spiritual warfare. And I won't go into all the thing or whatever. But as I went through, I could just feel the spirit giving me scriptures as I spoke to her. See, we don't have a right to tell people what heaven's like. What we think, just go open the Bible. It's called paradise. You know, some of you think heaven's going to be boring. Well, I'm glad you can't die in heaven because you're going to be shocked out of your mind when, when you get there. There's no CPR guy going to come over and try that man, they just found out what heaven's like. Let's see if we can fix them up here. Do not think heaven's boring. God is not boring. I mean, it's not boring here, is it? It's fantastic just to watch what God does. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark introduced you to the concept of being a pilgrim. You learn that every person on earth is a pilgrim because this world isn't anyone's final destination. You were reminded that once a person dies, they're going to live in either heaven or hell. You learn that faith isn't something you do on Sundays or just the weekends. Faith is a lifestyle. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. 
Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, Pilgrims, Looking for a Better Place. You'll learn the importance of living your life with a view to the future and thinking about where you'll be a hundred years from now. Pastor Mark will talk about the things that won't be destroyed and how you store up treasures in heaven. You'll hear how to leave the past in the past and move forward with Jesus. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.